Welcome to It's All About Connection, NVC with Dr. B. Today is a great day for this podcast. We are celebrating because we had one person call and ask a question. So we got our first question and... Well, we don't have our first question. We had a non-listener question last week. Oh, wait, and I did have another friend ask a question, but we didn't record that. Okay, second or third. Well, the non-listener didn't even ask. The people are coming. They're coming in droves. Sure. You're just not believing it yet. So here's the question. My question is, so I've been trying really hard to apply a lot of your principles that I've learned from your awesome podcast in the space of anti-racist allyship and specifically trying to communicate with people who are expressing either racist viewpoints or just exhibiting a lot of white privilege. And I'm trying to have one-on-one discussions with, you know, be it friends or family or just social media acquaintances and really trying to hopefully enact some actual change and, you know, point them in the way of resources to learn more and hopefully, you know, change their viewpoints. But my question is, what would be the nonviolent communication approach when you're in one of these conversations and the person's just using logical fallacies and saying a lot of the cliche kind of more right-wing, I guess, leaning responses? And how do you combat that and get the conversation back on track and ultimately have your message heard when you just feel so frustrated that, you know, you just want to scream or leave the conversation because they're talking in circles? So what would be the nonviolent communication route to handling that? Great question. Big question. How do we tackle racism? That is a big question. That's a very big question. And my answer might not be something that people want to hear. Uh-oh. But the first thing that comes to my mind is, can we stop calling it racism? Spicy. <laughs> that is that that is a zesty take. Because racism is an evaluative term. I think we're much better off stating what it is the person says or does that makes you think that they're racist. So are you saying in the NVC realm, there's no such thing as racism? I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I'm saying that racism is an evaluative term. What is racist to one person may or may not be racist to another person. And so you don't have a common ground. You don't have a common language to operate off of right from the get-go. So right from the beginning of this conversation or interaction, you're not starting at the same place and there's no even way to get there if you're having thoughts that this person is racist and then they're thinking that you're a particular way. Instead of just saying what it is that the person is saying or doing that's hard for you, then at least you're starting at a place that's of common ground. This is what you said. This is what you did. This is how I am responding or how I am reacting to it. So is displaying a racist act not a fact? What is a racist act? We've had a conversation like this. I think when we talked about what happened at the Capitol a few weeks ago, we kind of had this conversation. 
So I don't know if we need to go that more deeply into this because I think it's just going to aggravate folks. The main point here is if you really want to enact change, which is I think what the caller said, she wants to enact change, it starts with yourself. Start to pay attention where you are having some evaluative language. Also, if you're so upset, it's a huge indication that you are needing empathy. You need to be heard. And clearly, in this situation, you're more than likely not going to have empathy from the person that you're thinking is racist. So that requires you getting some support from a third-party person. Because you can't make someone else hear you. No, you can't make someone hear you, and you can't combat that. That was another thing that the caller said. Like, how do you combat that? I don't think you can combat it. The nonviolent communication process is all about showing up in presence. As soon as somebody says something to you and you're triggered and you start having evaluative thoughts about them, you're no longer present. You're no longer with them. So you will not have the ability to think past what their words are to what the need is because it always gets back to that. Remember, nonviolent communication is based on this idea that all conflict is a tragic expression of an unmet need, right? And so where, where you want to be able to go is no matter what this person is saying in front of you, just kind of put the words aside and listen for what is the need. Lean into what is the need underneath all of this. Not trying to convince them of anything. Oh gosh, no, no. This process is all about empathy first. If you can't give empathy to the other then it's an indication that you yourself are going to need empathy. It's always about empathy first and modeling the empathy process, which is, do you remember, what are the different components of empathy? Presence. Presence, which as soon as you're in a conversation like that, like the caller just said, presence usually goes out the window. You are, it's very hard to just stay with the person because now you're wrapped up in your own mind. So presence is a part of empathy. If you notice you can't do that, it's an indication that you yourself need empathy. What are the other parts Reflection. of Reflection. Just reflecting back. So that's a very key tool, by the way. Reflecting back does not mean that you are in agreement with the person. It's just that you're letting the person know that you're hearing them. I think that's where a lot of people get hung up. There seems to be this idea that if you're not actively disagreeing with someone, then you are allowing if you're passive, then you are permissive. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that believe that. And yet, if you are actively saying something back to somebody in a moment like that, you're not getting heard anyways. You're not penetrating in that moment. So yeah, it might be letting off steam, but is it serving in towards connection and being heard? No. And I think that's ultimately what we want. So people need to have a different strategy to be able to get heard. And in order to get heard, it requires hearing first. Now, I didn't say it requires agreeing with first, and I didn't say it requires, you know, fully understanding and like acquiescing to the other person's ideas first. I didn't say any of that. All I said is it requires hearing first. You can let someone know you're hearing them without agreeing. 
And when that person gets that you're actually hearing them, at least leaning in towards some level of hearing them and maybe trying to figure out what the need is, what I have found over and over and over again is that's when the tube of connection between you and me will clear itself out. And now I have an ability to put my message in that tube between you and me. Until then, we'll have a clogged tube between you and me. There's not going to be anybody's message getting through. Do you think that you need to make it clear that you don't agree with them? I think that non Or how does that come up? How can you do that? Well, here's the thing. Most people think that in NVC, it's all about just hearing the other person. Oh, no, no, no. You know, there is definitely a a strong place, as strong as hearing somebody else as being heard. You have the empathy piece of nonviolent communication, and you have the expression piece of NVC. Most of us, if you don't get a chance to express, you're not going to get to connection because you're going to still be holding on to this thing that you so badly need to let the other person know about, right? So expression is just as important. It's just that it's a different kind of timing of when you express. Most of us are trying to express right from the beginning and make sure that person hears us and force our expression through to the other person. In nonviolent communication, what we find works really, really well is making sure the other person is heard, not agreed with, but heard. And then usually there's a little bit more openness to be able to put your message in the tube to the other person to be able to express what it is that you want to say to the other person. And when you do express what you want to say to the other person, then you're using the OFNR template, the observation, feeling, needs, request template, so that you can keep away from words like racist or white privilege. I understand what all of those mean, and I truly do get it, but if you're trying to have a conversation with someone, Those are words that not everybody is going to agree upon what is racist, what is white privilege. So it's just going to create more disconnection. Using those blanket terms. Correct. Much better to say when you said this or when you did that, whatever the observation is, I felt that's the F because it brings up a need for safety. It brings up a need for peace. Being able to use that OFNR template allows you to keep away from any of those evaluative things that just drive the wedge back between the two people. So this friend and I have had conversations before and the paradox of tolerance has come up. So the paradox of tolerance asserts that if a society is tolerant without limit, then its ability to be tolerant is eventually destroyed and taken advantage of. Yes. So... I think there can be thoughts around NVC being kind of permissive and allowing and maybe enabling. For example, if someone is having thoughts that someone else is racist and then you don't call a racist a racist, then you're just enabling it or you're allowing it. You're being permissive of it. So where does NVC fall into that camp? So a couple things. First of all, I want to throw out a little bit of empathy to your friend because I'm guessing that some of what I am saying is probably hard. And I do want to say that I'm guessing your friend is really devastated by all that has been going on 
in our country and in our world, especially recently, and that I really could hear, you know, in her voice and her words, just how much she wants things to be different. And she wants a way of being able to reach folks so that we ultimately have more harmony and peace and love in our world. And that she's in, I'm guessing, I don't know for a fact because she's not here, but just in a lot, a lot of pain and turmoil around all of this. And I I just want to speak that out because it's not, I don't want to minimize that at all. I'm guessing that's a very real thing and very painful. So I just want to say that. And I don't want to dismiss anything that she has said, but she asked a question, and so I'm answering the question. If I had had your friend here, I probably would first stay in a lot, a lot of empathy to make sure that she gets that I am really hearing her. But unfortunately, she's not here, and she asked a question, so I'm just going to launch into the question and answer the question. And I do want to say that If you, or anybody else for that matter, are triggered by my response, you're welcome to call in, and I'm happy to give you empathy also around this, and then answer the questions as we go. That would be another thing that we can do. But in answer to your question, I happen to, as you were talking, look up the definition of tolerate. What does that actually mean? To tolerate, according to this definition, means to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference. So what I'm hearing is to tolerate something is to just allow it to happen and to not interfere and to try to make it different. And I don't believe at all that that's what NVC does. Anybody that is thinking that nominal communication just tolerates things, I don't think has a very clear understanding of the complete nonviolent communication process. In fact, I am doing everything I can to make something be different. I'm just taking a different tact to make it happen. Yes, I will listen first. There is that empathy piece first. Or, you know, if you absolutely cannot listen first because you're too triggered, you can also say what you want or what you need, but you don't need to use evaluative terms. I can say probably with, I think, a lot more clarity what is going on. Someone broke the windows of the Capitol and climbed in and had Nazi Nazi paraphernalia on their T-shirts. I can say the exact observational things. And seeing that makes me very angry, very, very angry. And it has to do with safety and kindness and respect I can say all of those things and get my point across and and say what I want, but I don't have to call it a name. And I also happen to believe that if you can wait to say what you saw, what you feel, what you need, if you can put that on hold and first really lean into trying to hear what's going on with other, not agreeing, just hearing, then you have a much better ability to say what you need to say and make the difference rather than just screaming in someone's face or using labels towards somebody, I don't think it works. And I think that that is the approach that we've been using for centuries, and it's gotten us to the point of where we are now. And that's why I am pretty much hell-bent on doing this differently for myself. I'm not talking from a place of 
making other people do this. I'm talking from a place of first doing it for myself. And I've been using it for many, many years. And I do find that it does get me much closer to connection than any other thing that I have ever tried in life. And that's why I've pretty much made it my life's mission to teach it and share it with other people. Is it easy? Hell no. This is the hardest thing. And the question that you're friend brought to bear this thing about folks doing, I mean, how do we put in observational terms, folks hurting people that are of a different color than them or saying things about folks from different countries. I mean, however you want to put it in observational terms, that whole area is really painful for me. And I don't have that down to a science. I mean, your friend's starting with the most difficult thing there is to start with. I think when it comes to applying nonviolent communication, that's the most difficult. I have yet to master it myself. I do think there's a way, but it's a long road. It's a very long road. I would suggest that you start on smaller things first, really. Start with small things. Start to build your skills in situations that are not as volatile and triggering really really triggering and also people just need empathy people need to be heard very deeply about their hurt around all of this and we don't slow down enough in society to be able to do that with one another people are hurting everywhere about this and even if you can't get empathy from the other or others we can give each other empathy and let people cry and feel deeply or feel the deep anger around all of this, but not feed it. Because I think it's different when you're because hearing... Because calling it something just adds just insult feeds to injury. It. it just feeds it as opposed to letting you get fully, fully, fully in touch with it to let the energy move from it. Anyways, those are some of my thoughts around this whole issue. It's a lot. Very, very, very big issue. I have a thought that We will have some people calling us about this, and I'm okay. Honestly, I really think it would be amazing to have somebody call in or come here, and we'll do empathy with you around this so folks can see that modeled as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to listen to the podcast. And if there's anything you would like to receive empathy around, you can call our NBC line, which is 850-706-706. 0488. You've been listening to It's All About Connection, NBC with Dr. B. For more episodes and guest bios, please visit us at www.thebigbmethod.com. That's www.thebigmethod.com. M-E-T-H-O-D dot com. And remember, empathy first.